Hello and welcome to the Underwater Technology Podcast from SUT, the Society for Underwater Technology. We're an international learning society for marine technology, engineering, science, education and policy. My name's Steve Hall, I'm the SUT CEO and each week we'll bring you an interview with one of our members or supporters working in that broad family of underwater technology related industries, universities, research organisations, policy developers, historians, underwater archaeologists and more. Podcast 3, 1st of May 2020. This week I'm speaking to Jim Hanlon, he's CEO of Cove Ocean, the Centre for Ocean Ventures and Entrepreneurship based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, located right on the water's edge of that beautiful city. If you're an SUT member interested in underwater technology links with Atlantic Calendar, it's a key hub to engage with, as we'll learn from Jim now. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, over to you, Jim, to tell us a little bit about you know who you are, where you were trained, and your career to date. Great, thanks, Steve. It's it's great to be with you and, and with your listeners. Um, so my name is Jim Hanlon. Um, I'm a, I'm a native Heligonian, which is what we folks here from Halifax call ourselves. So I was born here um, back in the 50s when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, my father was actually a Canadian naval officer, so I did grow up from an early age around shipyards and ships and all things ocean. So I, I think it's probably in my blood at that level. Um, I, I uh, grew up all over the country and a little bit in other countries as a result of um, being a, a Navy brat, um, but then came back here to uh, to go to university in uh, in Nova Scotia and Halifax and did a uh, an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. Um, and then through the course of the early part of my career, also did a, an MBA in multinational business uh, my my early um, career phase was uh, really in a design role. So I worked for um, a number of companies in the defense sector, in the naval defense sector, working on things like um, towed arrays and submarine antennas and such things. So um, cut my teeth in sort of naval technology. Um, worked a little bit in um, in uh, the center part of the country in Toronto in um, some air traffic control equipment, um, and then came back um, here to the Atlantic coast. Worked in uh, New England in the U.S. Uh, in the Boston area for a while, and then back here in Halifax, um, mostly in um, sort of project management, product marketing, and then sort of senior management roles in in a number of companies. And it was at that point that I um, also dipped my toe in the sort of the entrepreneurial thing and um, was involved in the ownership team of uh, two companies, uh, both in the ocean sector, uh, one called CIMAC doing um, satellite tracking equipment for ocean use. And then a second company called MISL, Magneto Inductive Systems, that was doing um, underwater and underground communications using uh, low frequency magnetics. So I've always been around technology and mostly been around oceans for all of my career. So uh, my um, si- since my last sort of private sector role, I've, I've been working on this project for um, I guess about eight years uh, coming up, uh, actually this month, the month of May, it'll be eight years. Um, So really what we've created here, this thing called Cove, or the Center for Ocean Ventures and Entrepreneurship, is is an ocean technology hub. It's brick and mortar. It's the site of a uh, decommissioned Canadian Coast Guard base, as Steve said, right here in the urban waterfront in, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So um, I'm looking out as, at the skyline of the city, actually, from our location. So we've got about an eight-acre site directly on the harbor front, um, and we have about 53,000 square feet of um, office space, laboratory space, workshop space, meeting space, fabrication space uh, spread across uh, three buildings on that site. 
Um, we were lucky enough to take possession of that uh, property when the Canadian Coast Guard decommissioned it. Um, spent around um, $25 million or 15 million pounds sterling on uh, refurbishing the site. And we opened in October of 2018. So we've been open about 18 months. Um, and we're now home to more than 70 uh, occupants or tenants uh, running the gamut from startup companies to in-market small, medium companies to uh, offices of large multinationals. Um, we have a presence from trade associations, from funding organizations, uh, from university research organizations and from community college training programs, all living in the same facility. And, and hence the magic of Cove is all that intersect between those various players in the ocean economy. And that's really what Cove is all about, that that serendipitous uh, meeting of minds and uh, resulting contract and business opportunities between that divergent group of players in the ocean sector. Okay, so, so where, where did the funding come from, Jim, to set Cove up? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's the classic private-public partnership, I suppose. The um, the original acquisition was um, was paid for by the provincial government, which is our, our regional government, so the province of Nova Scotia here in, uh, in Atlantic Canada. Um, it was transferred from the federal government to the province. Uh, the province then, um, for the most part, spent most of that 15 million pounds on their own account, uh, but also tip, uh, dipped back into federal funding for probably about 25% of it on a competitive basis. So it was the, the actual original project to recapitalize the property, to, to refurbish and, and um, get it up and going, was, was mostly government sector money. Uh, on the operating side, on an ongoing continuous basis, two elements of funding. One is that the rents from the tenants fully pay for the operating costs of the building. So um, our model is that we don't subsidize rents other than for maybe 10 of the startups, but every one other of those 70 tenants pays full market and above for their occupancy here at Cove. And those funds are used to pay for ongoing maintenance of the building, the operations of the building, the heating, the cooling, um, the snow clearing, because we do get snow in the winter here in Canada, oh, yes. et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the, the, the rent collected pays for the, for the physical plant. The program costs, which is um, what myself and my staff actually mostly engage in, um, that's paid for by, uh, by a corporate sponsorship. And it's a corporate sponsorship from a wonderful organization called Irving Shipbuilding. Um, I can actually see their facility looking out the windows here at Cove. They're a large shipbuilding operation here uh, in Halifax. And um, they've contributed some, something uh, north of about $7 million over the first 18 months or so of our operating, actually more like 24 months of our operating because they were funding before that. Um, and they, they provide our funding that um, enables our staff to um, provide networking events, to spawn new projects, uh, to work with the tenants to, uh, to meet their needs. And so again, I'd come back to it's, it's a classic case of government funding meets industrial funding um, to make the whole thing work. Okay. That's, that's excellent. And I, I understand uh, Irving have actually got a very major contract, haven't they, to um, essentially rebuild the Royal Canadian Navy? Yeah. yeah, recapitalize the Navy. So they've got um, two tranches of funding. Um, so they're building two classes of ship, um, one called AOPS, uh, which is the Arctic and Offshore Patrol Ship. Um, it's about a 6,000 ton ice-strengthened, um, uh, lightly armed uh, patrol ship that will operate in Canadian Arctic as well as in the Atlantic and Pacific. Um, and then, uh, and that those ships are being built right right now. In fact, two of them are in the water yet to be commissioned, um, with a follow-on for another six, uh, four more for the Canadian Navy and two additional for the Canadian Coast Guard. 
And then the second ship they'll be building is actually to a, a connection to um, our friends in the UK is the um, is the so-called Canadian Surface Combatant, which is a variant of the uh, BAE Type 26 warship, which yes. is also going to service with the Royal Navy and also the Royal Australian Navy. Yeah. And they'll be building um, 15 of those here at the uh, shipyard in Halifax. So the way it works in Canada, as within a lot of countries, is um, – uh, when those sorts of expenditures happen, there's a commitment on the part of the contractor back to the government to spend what's often called offset money. And, um, and so uh, part of their uh, commitment back to the Canadian government is to spend money um, to sustain and grow the Canadian ocean economy. And we're the benefactors of that as a result of that commitment. Yeah. Okay. So Canada, and particularly Atlantic Canada, is becoming a very key player now in uh, innovative underwater Technology. I mean, can you tell me a bit more about the kind of companies that you you're working with at Cove, and particularly for our, for our SUT listeners, you know, are these the kind of organisations they might be familiar with or might want to do business with in future? I hope so. I, th- I think you will be familiar with a number of them, and we, you know, on the international high-profile side of things, we have a, a presence from the likes of, you know, Teledyne and Consberg and Lloyd's and folks like that. All operate sort of innovation offices here at, at Cove, and so we're very proud of the fact that we have good relations with um, with large organizations, multinational organizations that are big players in in ocean technology and you know, underwater and surface technology in both, in both cases. Um, and then in addition, we have, um, I would say if you were to characterize the, the, the vast majority of the ocean tech companies here in Nova Scotia anyway, and, and we, there's about 60 of them. So I, I, I often call them the sweet 60. Um, so trade associations will have large numbers of organizations, but if you distill that down to companies that are designing and building products, generating sort of intellectual property-based products and services. There's about 60. And the majority of those I would call sensor companies. They're companies that are building a variety of things, acoustic sensors, chemical sensors, optical sensors, et cetera, et cetera, all for use on larger platforms. So I think one of the big opportunities when I look to um, friends and colleagues in the US and Western Europe and the UK is that um, the companies that we deal with those small and medium high technology companies are often in the supply chain of the larger platform companies. So while there's um, not a lot of companies here locally started that are building full underwater robotic platforms, there's quite a number that would be on other people's um, robotic platforms providing the sensors for them. So that tends to be the case. I think uh, in future there may well be full freestanding uh, marine robotics companies uh, here, but for the most part, companies here are supplying sensors to other people. Okay. And if, if companies are you know, even thinking of big steps like wanting to relocate to Atlantic Canada, are there aid packages available from the Canadian government that, that help them to you know, relocate to the Halifax area? <laughs> there are. Um, we, we have um, three levels of government here in, in Canada, as you're probably aware. So we've got municipal government, we've got provincial government, and then we've got federal government. And to toss in one in between, there's actually regional uh, programs that, that apply to parts of the country, but not others. And so um, the answer to your question is yes. Um, it can be a bit confusing at times. There's a, a bit of an alpha, alphabet soup of these programs. Um, and so um, we're glad to help in that respect to kind of guide someone who might be interested in either, you know, frankly, establishing an operation here uh, if they haven't got one already or partnering with a, a company here to um, access the Canadian market and in turn, maybe um, uh, more global markets going the other way. So, yeah, we're, we're happy to facilitate. But yes, indeed, everything from um, uh, programs that will help with payroll on startup to um, tax concessions around uh, research and development, quite a wide variety of programs, programs that will help you work with university researchers. Um, 
But again, I, I would caution that there's a lot of them. They're confusing. They, they change on a regular basis. And so it, it, you sort of need a program to tell the players a little bit, and we're happy to help with that. Excellent. Thank you. And what's your relationship with the likes of you know, Dalhousie and the Bedford Oceanographic Institution? Yeah, very good question. So um, our big ocean research um, uh, institute in Canada, actually the largest civilian one in the country, um, probably analogous to um, to the facility you have in Southampton, the, the NOC, would be our Bedford Institute of Oceanography, which is about um, probably three kilometers from me, just down the harbor. Um, that's home to, you know, a thousand researchers and support staff doing um, full blue ocean oceanographic research. Um, our relationship with them is, is very, very sound. So we have um, ongoing uh, rapport with them where we're exchanging um, people and ideas and program opportunities. Um, we work with them, I would say, daily. We have a, they have a liaison desk that works, um, actually, uh, Dr. Toby Balch, he's actually worked with us here at Cove at some point, so we have good connections to the, uh, to the federal lab. Uh, with Dalhousie University, they actually have a facility here at Cove, so Dalhousie would be, I would say, Canada's preeminent ocean research uh, university, pure ocean research. Um, and, but interestingly, their campus is a downtown um, Halifax campus and is actually not on the waterfront in spite of the fact that they're very oh, active in ocean right. research. Yeah. So yeah. really what they do is they use the facility here at Cove as their waterfront. And so they mobilize their marine robotics program here at Cove. And um, so that's our relationship. In addition, we're, we, we provide, I suppose, uh, advice in terms of commercialization and industry uh, contact for the ocean research programs at Dow. And we do that through a number of MOUs and um, co-funding arrangements and membership on boards, respectively, back and forth. So we've got very, very tight working relationships with Dalhousie. I'll mention another group as well in that same category. We also have a very active presence from um, the Nova Scotia Community College, which is um, a sort of a, it, it would be, um, it's sort of a, a, a junior college effectively, um, very, very focused on applied research and training. And so they have um, a wonderful program that uh, we actually host the waterfront component of uh, called the Advanced Diploma in Ocean Technology. Uh, small cohort of students, maybe 15, 16 students, the vast majority of which already would have an undergraduate degree from a university. And then they go back and they do a 12-month intense applied training program in the technology of ocean oceanography and such. So how do I deploy a CTD? What's an underwater camera? How do I use one? How do I light for one? All those very practical skills oh, that they might not have received during a university undergraduate uh, program. So we, uh, we, we become their waterfront as well. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously you you have that superb location, so so people are able to dock, you know, fairly large vessels, I should imagine, alongside your facility. You know, being a former Coast Guard base, yep. and and do do you also have things like pressure testing facilities, calibration facilities, that kind of thing there? Well, to agree, we we do. We, we don't. Uh, we've we've avoided replicating facilities that are otherwise available in the city. And so, for instance, test tanks. I think by last count between the various you know, federal research labs, private companies, and the universities, there's somewhere north of um, 15 test tanks of one sort or another uh, within the, the city of Halifax. So rather than building another one, what we've done is basically affiliate with ones that already exist. Similarly for sort of environmental tests, sort of shake and bake and uh, pressure testing, um, there's a private company called ESL, now owned by J Squared, that's literally uh, 500 meters from here. Uh, they're actually a tenant at Cove, so they have a liaison desk here at Cove. And if people want that testing done, we simply point them in, in the, their direction. 
okay. it, it sort of brings up a point, which is that um, wherever possible, we avoid competing with existing facilities, be they in the public sector or most importantly in the private sector. Uh, another example of that would be um, we do have a full service machine shop on site that allows um, particularly the small companies to fabricate, you know, quick prototypes of things to get them uh, in the water quickly. But rather than using public funds to build a machine shop in a basically a port and harbor like Halifax, we simply invited in one of the existing machine shops, a company called Precise Design, that otherwise operates a full service machine shop in an industrial park here nearby to operate um, a, a new uh, facility here at Cove. And they, they provide that on a fee for service basis. So that's very much our ethos is don't compete with that, just simply facilitate it. Excellent. So you're very much a, a one-stop shop then for you know people that want to work in the marine technology sector out, out of Atlantic Canada, and basically you're able to act as a hub to sort of introduce them to the market, to help them find partners, uh, you know, even provide them with accommodation, uh, you know, for startups and things like that. So it's pretty comprehensive by the sound of things, Jim. It is the the idea is that um, everything you need to um, operate, start and operate a, um, a small and medium business should be here on site. That being said, I mean, to be honest, the um, the challenge and the dilemma is that our, our strength is our brick and mortar. We are physical site and that serendipitous intersection availability of equipment and, and people is the magic of Cove. On the other hand, it's it's all, also our constraining factor in that we are physically in one place. And so one of the things that we're um, we're learning to do better, I think, is, is outreach. How do we connect to people in other parts of our region, of our country and the world to provide impact and support to them as well? And um, quite frankly, during this whole uh, pandemic, we've um, we've stretched our capabilities more than we probably had planned to by now in terms of virtualizing our programs, going online with things, facil- facilitating engagement with other like-minded hubs, et cetera. And I think going forward, that's going to be a big part of our strategy is how do we multiply the impact of our wonderful physical plant and facility here at Cove to get more reach and impact in other parts of the world. Yeah. So, so uh, as you said earlier, you know, you know Canada d- d- does have all the, you know, these multiple levels of, go- of go- governance, you know, state, federal, regional, et cetera. So how well does Cove work with uh, the Pacific side of Canada or, or Arctic Canada? It's a good question. We, as you know, we have a huge country. We we uh, we suffer from big country, small population syndrome, as I often say. Um, so it's um, I'm a lot closer to you sitting here today in Halifax and you in uh, in the UK than I am to Vancouver on the west coast. So it's it's a huge uh, location challenge. Um, we do have uh, members from the west coast. So as an example, ISE International Submarine Engineering oh, yeah. that's based in Port. Uh, Port uh, Port Moody or just outside of Vancouver um, has a presence here at Cove. So we do have a number of companies that we work with um, from the West Coast. But there's um, a willingness, I think, to talk about um, similar facilities being established in other parts of our country. So frankly, Cove has been quite successful. We've been sort of touted as kind of a a success story in terms of these kinds of facilities in a a very, very short time period. So others on the West Coast and um, even in Newfoundland are looking at it and saying, oh, this is very interesting. It seems to be working quite well. Might we have one of those ourselves? And our approach in in all cases is to um, open our books and say, if there's anything we can do to help that, we're, we're very supportive. We, we would like to have similar facilities across our country and, um, and in other countries as well that we could establish a peer-to-peer network with. And so that's kind of our, our approach to these things, not to be protective and say, no, we, we don't want that to happen. Quite the contrary, we do want it to happen. 
in Canada, in particular, when it when it comes to the north, um, it is um, it is our unique value proposition in Canada. You know, there's been numerous surveys done of the Canadian populace saying what defines being a Canadian, and and the north part of our country is very much part of our our culture. It's um, something we're very proud of, very protective of. And, and increasingly aware of, I think. Um, so we we are very cognizant of our opportunities, responsibilities, and challenges in the north. But the the trick is the logistics of it. It's it's a huge space with very very um, very very um, light infrastructure. Um, so what we would be providing, I would think, would be um, opportunities for engagement with. The northern people, mostly indigenous, uh, on training. Uh, their demographic is a very young demographic. Uh, we've just had one of our staff, Anna Naylor, spend um, about two weeks up in the north in small communities engaging with northern youth on um, opportunities for uh, work in ocean tech industries. And so those are the kind of things that we're trying to do. Okay. And I understand that the renewable sector is beginning to take off, you know, off the northeast coast of of Canada. Are you, are you involved in that at all? We, we are. Um, so certainly the um, the thing we have here locally is the, the Bay of Fundy, which is, you know, the highest tides in the world. It's, it's a yes. very, very unique resource. Um, and the resulting, you know, current flows are 11 knots uh, twice a day on the, on the tidal cycle. So huge amounts of energy potential from a, an offshore renewable energy point of view. Um, it's been in development at some level. I mean, this, this resource has been known for a hundred years or more. So there's been studies and prototyping done for literally a hundred years in the, in the location. The current operations are managed by a group called force F O R C E. And there are uh, a number of um, companies that are deploying turbines in that area. Uh, most recently, the one that's uh, coming to mind is a company called DP energy, which is actually an Irish company putting in some turbines, I believe later this year, or early next, there is a separate organization, as I said, called Fundy force that manages that operation. Um, as it turns out, we have sort of board level connections to that organization, and we certainly facilitate that work from a technology point of view. So some of the companies that, that are here on site, as an example, McCartney um, has equipment that they've developed that has been prototyped and used on the site, on the uh, tidal energy site for uh, biological impact assessment for uh, environmental assessment around the site itself. And so I would say our engagement with it would not be on the grid level energy uh, production, not the turbines, but on the monitoring equipment that would be around those turbine sites. Okay. And I, you know, we're coming to the end of the interview now, Jim, and I, I, I couldn't help but notice uh, a, a vacancy being advertised on uh, the Cove social media, uh, media recently, which uh, suggests to me that you're, you're th- thinking of uh, retiring soon. I am indeed. Um, so um, I'm um, now the ripe old age of 62, um, still lots of energy in, in, in me as far as I can tell. Um, but I'm very, uh, very con- conscious of the fact that it, there's a right time to sort of hand the reins over. And um, so I, I had a, I started a discussion with our, our board last year saying that sometime during the year 2020, I did want to step aside and um, bring in some younger, fresher perspective. And um, so we're in the midst of doing that. Uh, there is a information about that call on our webpage, uh, www.coveocean, all one word, dot com. So um, yes, the, we're, the call is open. I would say we've slowed down a little bit because of the COVID-19 process, but I still fully intend to um, hand the reins over to um, 
some bright person who can take Cove um, even further than I have. So looking forward to that retirement, uh, spending a bit more time with um, my family uh, on my sailboat, hopefully, and uh, but then staying very much in engaged in the industry by way of uh, committee membership and such. So it is my life. It's what I do. It's what I love. I, um, I enjoy the relationships that, that, uh, that I've had in the industry. Yes. Yeah, excellent. And I should add to it to our listeners, I, I had the uh, the great pleasure about oh three and a half years ago of uh, visiting Jim and his family at the at their beautiful spot on uh, is it Mar Margaret's Bay? Is that is that right or Saint Margaret's Bay? Saint Margaret's Bay, yes. correct. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that evening. That's right, and I and I, I, I can certainly see the uh, the appeal of sailing in in that part of the that part of the world. Um, so, Jim, as we as we come to the end of this one. Uh, SUT, as you know, we're a global organisation, and we're you know we're we're hoping to gradually build uh, up in in Canada as well. Um, you, you think we have good good prospects in the area? I do. Um, you know, there's um, we've had discussions about this you and I in in several locations in past. Um, yes, I think there's a there is a good cadre of companies here in um, in the northeast part of the continent. Um, and I think it is worth your while. Now, the, the trick, I think, is to figure out the respective space for all the various organizations that are out there. But I think that's something that we can uh, we can lend a hand with. So, yeah, we'd um, we'd love to have those conversations with you going forward. Anyone who needs to get in touch with Jim, don't forget it's www.coveocean.com. And we'll have links to that and other details in the show notes. So uh, thank you very much, Jim. And uh, goodbye for now. Thank you, Steve. Oh, that was great listening to Jim talking about what's happening in Canada in the subsea sector. It's been good to hear in particular about what's happening there in Nova Scotia. Our first embryonic Canadian branch has met in St. John's, Newfoundland. They had strong engagement from the local community and from Memorial University. And we're very much looking forward to growing our presence in Canada in coming years. Next week, we have another guest with a fascinating story to tell. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review so that we can grow our listenership. Thank you to Emily Body for composing our podcast music and creating the artwork. Find out more about SUT at sut.org. Contact me at steve.hall at sut.org. And more from us soon. Bye. Bye.